long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I'm Steve Glosson, and this is my Star Wars story. In 1977, the world changed. The film industry was transformed. The popular culture rocked. And young minds forever altered. Star Wars arrived. And nothing would ever be the same again. Though everyone wasn't affected in the same way, everyone was affected. This is my Star Wars story. You were born right before Star Wars. We- I was, yeah, like literally four months, January 25th, so literally four months of the day oh, wow. before Star Wars was released. When did you first become aware of it, though? Um, my earliest memory, no lie, my earliest memory is going into my brother's room as a toddler and and messing with his Death Star, his vintage, now it's vintage, then it wasn't, Death Star playset. And him getting upset with me for doing so. Um, that's that's really one of the earliest memories I have. I, I can't tell you when else I was aware of Star It's just always been there. It's just one of those things that's always been around. I think the first time I actually saw the movie was as maybe my fifth birthday party. It was right around the time when renting videotapes and stuff were you know, starting to happen. My mom drove across town to a video videotape rental place, and she had to put down a hundred dollar deposit to rent this movie, and uh, and it was for my birthday party, and and I just remember watching it, and then it came on TV, and we of course we recorded it. Our family was my dad used to be kind of a gadget file, you know he he liked all the new gadgets, so you know we had a we had one of those top loading VCRs that sounded like a giant cassette deck you know you could you press play and it's just this large click you know it was amazing VCR technology went so far in so little time but you we'd press play and it would wake the house up if you're trying to you know if you're trying to watch a movie and everyone else is kind of still asleep on a saturday or it's friday night and chick oh my lanta but um but yeah, so we recorded it off of CBS, I think, is where it aired. Yep. And um, that was '85. Was it that? See, I don't. I feel like it was so much earlier in well, time. Well, it showed than up that. on HBO in '83. Okay, well, we didn't have that at all. Okay. <laughs> but um, but so I guess it would have been then. But it feels like a lot earlier. It feels like it was like a fifth anniversary special of some sort. I don't know, but I just remember they had. It was a huge deal. They had. I guess it was. It had to have been after Jedi, right around Jedi, because they had Mark Hamill introduce it, and then afterwards they had a segment on. Um, they had a segment about the making of that was hosted by Mark Hamill, and uh, man, I ate that stuff up. But they had a lot of Jedi footage that was real neat. So it might have been '85, but it just seemed probably what it was is I watched it so much over and over and over again that it felt like I'd had it for years and years and years. Um, but. Yeah, so I, I don't know when I was first really aware. Like I said, it was just always there. You know, and, and the thing is, and I've, I've talked to older people so far on this thing. Right. And I was asked, what was your thing before Star Wars? I mean, you, I you had didn't no, have a thing. I don't like the way that sounds, but you're right. I, you know, there was nothing. That, yeah, Star Wars was it. I've always said that Star Wars was kind of my, the foundation of my geekdom. Um and, and so, but it's all right there together as Star Wars and really Superman at the same time. But, you know, especially Star Wars because 
those were the toys as a kid I mean I think about this and, and none of the time frame works out right for me to be doing and remembering some of the things I am remembering but I know it's true because I have these vivid memories 1980 is when Empire came out I'm three years old I remember going to Empire with my mom and my sister and some of her friends I fell asleep right after Luke got rescued by Han and woke up right after he got his hand cut off traumatic <laughs> but I was three years old you know um, Fox and the Hound was playing in the theater maybe and there was also a re-release I guess because Fox and the Hound was 81 but I remember are we going to see Fox and the Hound or Empire we're going to see Empire you know and and it was just it was a thing where the, the, I was getting the trading cards the old Empire and I would carry them around in a in a gutted out blue tackle box that's still in my closet to this day Still got the cards in it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, they're in terrible shape. But, I mean, it's in, and I never had Series 2 or 3 cards. All these people, these Series 2, I'm like, what is that? All I had were the silver-lined, you know, Series 1 cards, and, and and I would just look at the pictures and and that sort of, and just kept them for years and years. It was just one of those things that went around with me for some reason. Toys, my, my grandparents were in White Cross, Georgia, is where they lived. And um, we lived in Athens at the time, but we'd come down. And there was, this, there was this old department store called Pick and Save. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be confused with the shoe store, Pick and Pay. But, uh, but I remember going there and, and just toward the back in the toy section, this, not even a display, but just pegs and pegs and pegs of Star Wars toys. There was never a shortage like there is today. There was never, you know, even during the, even during the big releases of movies, there seemed to be a shortage. Kenner flooded the market with these things because people were buying them and 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 you would just walk in and it'd be like well there's han solo in his bestman outfit there's luke in the bestman outfit there's there's r2 there's 3po and um you can get one you know you can get one oh god what has got a choice are you forcing on me and uh but yeah it was just you know it's it's a thing that was there and there are these memories i have that are vivid of doing certain things and and having these certain moments, you know, but it doesn't all really solidify until six years old watching Jedi, you know, uh, on the big screen. That's your first big vivid memory of Star Wars? That's, that's the first thing that it's like, here's the story. You know, here's where I know everything else is like images, memories. I've, I know, listen, my... my one of my great, one of my funnest activities as a kid was cleaning out my closet, because what that meant is I got to pull all my Star Wars toys out, play with them all day long, and then put them back in an orderly fashion in the closet. <laughs> but yeah, Jedi is is that moment though where it's like, okay, here's I remember seeing a TV spot. We weren't a movie going family. I had at that point, you know, a brother and a sister. There were just three kids. My older brother had passed when I was two. He died of leukemia, and he was huge into Star Wars. I mean, that's really? he was. Yeah, well, I mean, he was eight when he when he died. So you know, you're talking about he was right there in the wheelhouse for Star Wars, and and so that just kind of left a legacy. And my parents would tell me they told me that even as a even as a toddler, they had to buy two of everything because I would get into his stuff. You know. And so they just went ahead. They ignored the three and or four and over warnings or whatever it was, and said, "Here you go." Well, here's well, here's what's interesting. On the jumping all over the place, I know. 
years later, when I'm an adult and my mom is pulling out some stuff that um, that belonged to my brother, knowing that I have a Star Wars room, knowing that you know, she's like, "Do you want any of these?" I'm like, "Yeah," and you know, and it's just all these figures, and you know, not to sound. It, it, it sounds almost more, but they didn't get played with that much. They're in this pristine condition, these first-run Star Wars figures. Now, all my life, I had a blue snaggletooth, and Star Wars fans know what that means. I had a blue snaggletooth, and I never... And it always, as a kid, always blew my mind. I'm like, why can't I find a blue snaggletooth on the pegs? You know, why can't I in the store? Why is it always the red snaggletooth? Yeah. I must have something... I thought I had something monked up. You know, I'm like, well, this is, this is a cheap knockoff of the real snaggletooth that's always on the... Well, down the road you find out, well, that was a Sears exclusive, da-da-da-da. I never knew that. I never knew that until the Internet came along. And now I find out, well, this is one of the most valuable figures in the, you know, in the original Kenner line. Of course, mine's scuffed up, loose joints, all this stuff. Well, I'm digging through his figures because they had to buy two of everything. Suddenly, here's this pristine, incredibly sharp blue snaggletooth with his little weapon sitting right there. You know, I mean, it's, it's that kind of thing. I, when I was when we made a move from Athens down to South Georgia, a little town called Hazelhurst, part of the the process of easing the move for me, because I hated moving as a kid. I just was not for it. I, I, I've never liked change, um, and this was a big one. And um, they let me have his old Death Star playset. Oh wow! And I didn't know what was supposed to be on. I knew the little gun thing at the top was kind of broken. It wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Well, years down the road, I found out, oh, there's supposed to be a plastic rope with it. Oh, there's supposed to be this with it. Oh, people don't have the foam. I've got the foam. What is the deal? Well, I'm looking through this little baggie of Star Wars figures with all these little weapons and everything. Pull out this blue plastic rope that goes with the dead. I'm like, suddenly the Death Star's complete, you know, <laughs> because of a blue plastic rope. And it's just, it's, it's moments like that that it's like, Okay, this has always been around. You know, it just goes back to the whole thing of it's always been around. But Jedi was that moment where it became mine more than anything else. It became mine. And um, and so I see a TV spot because we, we weren't a big movie-going family. You know, we, didn't, we just didn't do that a lot. We were kind of homebodies, I guess. And uh, I see on TV, I'm like, there's a preview, a 30-second spot, and it's... Return of the Jedi, Star Wars. I'm a six-year-old kid. I don't understand how storytelling works, how movies work. I thought Empire might have been it. I didn't know, you know. I am over the moon. My parents were having, like, some company over or whatever, like grown-ups. We were supposed to leave them alone. Mm-mm. Ran right in the dining room. Mom. Mama. Yeah. There's a new Star Wars coming out, you know, and... And boom, all you know, the marketing hits. Now we're in the grocery store. We're seeing Return of the Jedi Petra Charm cookies. We're seeing, you know, that's when we were first introduced to Wicket through a cookie. And we think that's what they're all called, Wickets. We don't realize they're Ewoks, you know, until I get, like, the storybook and that sort of thing. But Jedi, seeing that, we got my best friend from up the street. It had to be open in weekend. Might not have been open at night, but I do believe it was open in weekend because in, in Georgia, in Athens, at Georgia Square Mall... Uh, where it, and people who are in that area know, but uh, most people won't. But you, it's old school mall. You walk in, you know, you go down the corridor. There's the cinema. Well, when we came out that night, the line stretched from the box office down the corridor, out the door of the mall, down the sidewalk next to the mall, up the road, 
from the mall. And I was like, oh, this is a big deal. And so, I mean, it had to be open the weekend. I don't know how my dad scored tickets. We didn't wait in line. We got there, went in, you know, tickets, that sort of thing. So, And it was just, it was amazing. You know, it was just one of those things. It's like, I love the music. I love the stuff. And so, from there, it, you know, it, and it's like you don't think it's going to be over. You know, it's like, well, they did it. They did it with Empire and the Jedi. What now? You know, but it, it just, but I never let it go. And I think that's the thing with me is, and I found out down the road, I'm wanting the only one, yeah. you know. But at the time, in 1986, 1987, I felt like I was the only one, you know, who didn't let it go. Especially living in a little town in South Georgia where everyone only cares about hunting and fishing. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it, it's just, it, but that's probably the, that's probably the biggest, that's probably the first really solid, solid memory is that Jedi going and watching Jedi. But the but the toys were always there. Oh, yeah. What was, uh, of that batch of toys that you had, going into Jedi, what was your favorite one? Going into Jedi, my yeah. favorite toy was Millennium Falcon, man. You know, I mean, straight up, yeah. It was, it, it was it, that and the X-Wing, of course. Um, I like the Snowspeeder a lot. I was, you've seen Toy Story. <laughs> The reason, you know, when I watched Toy Story 3 the second time, which was a mistake. Um, why, now, why was that a mistake? Well, I saw it in the theater, and I knew, this is bad. I can't handle this. <laughs> but, then, but then someone gave it to me, and I was watching it one afternoon at the house. By the end of the thing, I'm, on the, I'm in the fetal position, just curled up on the couch. And really what it comes down to is it's because I was Andy as a kid. You know, I, my toys were my world. They meant something to me. You know, I had friends who lived around the neighborhood who who they had a lot of cool toys and stuff, but they just didn't take care of them. This is so funny because episode one we had Ryan Shaw and he described himself as Sid from Toy Story. Mm. So we've got we've had Andy and Sid now. No, I see and I never understood that. It never I never I never understood that mentality of let's blow these things up. Because to me these are things to be taken care of. And it wasn't even a collector's mentality at that point. It was just I want to keep them around yeah, so I can play with them, them forever. Right, yeah. And um, and so, and my parents weren't ones that were just going to keep giving and giving and giving. I was never a troop builder. I had one stormtrooper. That should be enough. You have already have a storm. You already have a Jawa. You already have a, you know, whatever. And, um, and I mean, like, I lost the lightsabers, the, the ones that, well, all of the lightsabers I lost, but, you know, the ones that came out of the arm and everything. And so we had those party toothpicks with different colors. <laughs> Those, those became lightsabers, That's you know, great. and it worked out. But, yeah, the, the Millennium Falcon, I love the Snowspeeder. Um, there was just something about it that captured my imagination with the two people in the cockpit at the same time. But you can't get any better than the, than the Falcon, than the Millennium Falcon. I didn't understand, I didn't understand Slave 1. I, I had it. Just the mechanics of it flying. I didn't understand the mechanics yeah, of it flying. Yeah. I didn't understand why it had two different things you had to open up to get in there in the cockpit and... You know, it was but, just, you, but you also didn't live through the Boba Fett mania. I mean, you did live through it, but you were very little. Yes, I, yeah, that's I didn't so, live. I, I would say I didn't live through it. I would say I wasn't a big. I never was a big. But I, now, granted, that design, I don't know if they did it on purpose, but like, there's a card. There's one of the Empire Strikes Back trading cards, and it's a picture of Boba Fett and IG88, and it says the title of the card is Boba Fett and IG88. <laughs> Clever, yeah, creative. But that picture and anything with him always popped. And I think it, I think with him what it was, was the colors. He was more colorful than anything else on screen a lot of times. 
and especially in Empire. You know, you see the initial designs. He was white. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but but when you hit that, um, when when you get to the final deal, you got black and white and grays, in in you know multiple hues of black, white, and gray on screen in Empire, and even in Dagobah, so earth toned and everything. You know, and and, it, and it almost a you know just mostly browns and maybe some greens. But when you hit Boba Fett on a Star Destroyer. He just pops. And the same thing in Cloud City. He pops. Well, and, but for, for a lot of us, the older kids, uh, he was the first taste of something new. Mm-hmm. Star Because we had Star Wars, and we knew Star Wars. We had internalized Oh, sure. And we'd read the book, and we'd read the storybook, and we had the book of director, and yes. we'd read the comic. Yes. And all of a sudden, here's this guy. And what is he doing? And he looks great. But what is he about? He's got that helmet thing going on. He's yeah. got the armor thing going on, but it's not white. It's not black. It's not a Stormtrooper. It's not yeah. Vader. What is this guy? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we. I, I think a lot of Boba Fett mania stems from that whole 19, you know, 79. Oh, by the way, here's this guy. Yes. We'll be seeing him later. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. and a lot of people who, and I know there are Star Wars fans who are much younger than mm-hmm. two of us. Yes. Who don't understand Boba Fett mania, but that's where a lot of it comes from, I yeah. think, is he, he was so he's, mysterious he's so the, new. He, he was the start of, of a trend in Lucasfilm and putting out Star Wars in the figure thing because I remember the big mail away for Return of the Jedi. One of the big ones that I remember was Admiral Ackbar. And you think, oh, man, this guy's going to be amazing. Admiral Ackbar's cool, but what's he do? He sits in a chair and says it's a trap. You know, he's focus all your fire on the Super Star Destroyer. That's what... The moon is generated, you know, the, the, the shield is generated from the force moving north kind of thing. Uh, when you get down to episode one, two, and three, it's the same thing. A lot of the preview figures are like, oh, this. We get suckered in every time. Like, this is going to be the most amazing thing ever. And Boba Fett was cool. You know, and looking back, I mean, he talked back to Vader. You know, he did. But then he goes out like a punk in Jedi. I never had a problem with that. That's not a criticism of that moment at all. I love that moment. You know, I love the moment that anything happens in these things. You know, yeah. It's just... And um, but uh, but yeah, it's yeah, I think he was the first and honestly the coolest preview of, of one of the you know movies through a toy form especially. I still have Boba Fett in a little baggie that he came uh-huh. mailed in. Yeah, Isn't that crazy. That is crazy. So you first see Star Wars, your very small, mm-hmm. your birthday party. Yeah. You, had, you said there were other kids in the neighborhood who had cool toys. Yeah. Were there other Star Wars kids? Did you have Star and, Wars friends? Well, you know how it was yeah. in that time. Everybody was a Star Wars kid. Everybody. For a while. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Every, but, but, you know, everyone had cool toys. When it came right down to it, um, my best friend up the road was a couple of years older than me. And and he was just super cool. And so he's the guy that I wanted to be like. You know, he, he could do fun tricks on his bike and stuff. Um, he, you know... We would play Star Wars. He got to be Luke because his hair was blonde. I had to be Han Solo because my hair's not blonde. <laughs> Back then, that wasn't cool to me. I was a Luke kid. Well, you it, know. it was the adventures of Luke Skywalker yes. was written on everything. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, the kids behind us who lived directly behind us, um, they well, by the time this new kid, these new kids moved in, Star Wars had kind of started to wane. And so it was more Transformers, G.I. Joe. They had a lot of that. Um, but everyone my age was all Star Wars, you know. And then, but they all did kind of shift and fade with the times, yeah. you oh, know. Yeah. And, uh, and whereas I just kind of kept that Star Wars stuff. So when it came to Star Wars toys of people I knew, I had the coolest Star Wars toys. 
which is weird because now everything else I did not have the coolest toys. I didn't have the coolest He-Man toys, didn't have the coolest Transformers, didn't have the coolest uh, G.I. Joe toys, but Star Wars, you, in my little circle of friends, you couldn't top my collection. Now, was there ever a point where you were mocked for being a Star Wars fan? Where you, where no. you were made fun of? No, no. Um, that's, I was mocked. There was too much else about me to mock. I mean, come on. <laughs> You got this kid that looks like a beach ball with feet and uh, with feet and hands waddling around the playground. You can mock anything else. You know, growing as a kid, why would you mock anyone for being into Star Wars? We were playing Star Wars on the playground for crying out loud. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't do that. As I got older, everyone kind of knew it, but no one really focused in on it. You know, and two, I, you know, once you're we moved in '87. And that's the last time I bought a Star Wars toy was 87. Uh, we actually found one on clearance at a Toys R Us. We found a Battle Damage TIE Fighter. But um, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. In 87 of all times. But, but I, you know, by that point I was also collecting comics and stuff. And, and by the time I was like in middle school and high school, I've learned not to put necessarily put a lid on it. But just control it. Just not be annoying about it, you know. Because there were other kids who were annoying about it. There was one or two kids that were just like... And it wasn't necessarily Star Wars, but it was other geeky stuff, video games, that sort of thing. It's like, no one wanted to talk to him. I'm like, well, I don't want to be that guy. You know? Yeah. I'll just keep all this over here, you know. But it's funny. Anytime... I remember a senior in high school, uh, our English class, were watching uh, some video on mythology. And in it, there's a clip, just a brief, brief clip of Empire, of Luke and Vader fighting an empire. And I was just like, did anyone else see that? Did anyone else? Did anyone? And Because I'm just reacting in a huge, I'm like, that's amazing. You know, because again, 1995, there's really, this is, well, 94 really, there's no internet, especially not in my little podunk town. There's no Whispers, even of a special edition re-release, much less prequels, much less what we live in today, it's dead and gone. You know, the, the novels have come out, and there's a little bit of that turning around, but nothing like it is today. And I'm just like, did anyone else see? I'm just looking around, and but it was always that way with me. Like even like a while ago, we were sitting here and we thought we heard Star Wars music. Like, Where's that coming from? You know, and I'd still do that this day. I can walk somewhere. I know exactly. Even just out of the corner of my eye, there'll be a flash. I'm like. You know what's that? I know that. I know that sound. I know that. I know that look. I know that thing. But I never got made fun of it because I just kind of, I kept it under the radar a little bit, I guess, because I knew better. <clears throat> now, did did, you, did your passion for Star Wars ever cool, or did you just keep no. it? No. Just kind of no, kept it below the that's surface. A, yeah, that's the thing. It never. My passion for Star Wars never cooled. I, you know, that's it's one of those things that when I say Star Wars was always with me, always means always. Um, there was always a poster on the door because the thing about Star Wars is, is though Lucasfilm wasn't marketing it, and though they were trying to hide it, though they were trying to keep it away, you'd always, every now and again, find a poster, you'd find a calendar, you'd find something, you know. And so there was always a poster on the door. There was always a calendar on the wall, something in my room. And quite frankly, the toys just stayed in the closet until I went to college because there was nothing else to do with. You know, it wasn't like I was pulling them out and playing with them or anything. <laughs> But um, but but they were always there, and so it was just always there. But my passion never went. If I had it, the, one of the first things I did when I got a job is I took my disposable income and spent it on a set of Star Wars VHS tapes. 
You know, not the THX digitally remastered, but that original, you know, CBS Fox logo on the on the and uh, and then the THX remastered came out right as my senior, and so I'm like, well, I got to get that now. Um, you know, yeah. and those that's what went to college with me because I that's you know that's what I took that, that's the one I'm saying it, it never waned. I was going to make sure when I'm packing to go to college, going 500 miles away to college, no car, no you know, just getting dropped off and left there. What's going with me? Well, Star Wars, of course, Star Wars, and you know, and and from there, you know, it's all she wrote. You know, now your first experience with A New Hope mm-hmm. is. CBS TV essentially or a rented yeah, video copy. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back. I'm assuming you don't have a lot of theatrical experience. We, with. Yeah, well, I mean, like, like I say, I remember going. I remember who went to the movie theater with us. I remember seeing a few things, but I remember I can tell you the movie theater we went to see it at. You know that kind of Which thing. Which movie theater was it? It was. Uh, I want to say it was Beachwood Theater in Athens, Georgia, up on up off of Beachwood. There's a shopping center there, and they still have a theater there. It's been remodeled and, and everything, but but definitely that's where it was. So okay, so. But your your predominant memories of Star Wars are with about a third of the picture gone. Yes, you didn't see the full screen, and that's not your Star Wars to see it in widescreen. Right. When you finally got, to, when did you finally see those first two films and really get to observe them in widescreen? Nineteen ninety-seven. Really, those special, special editions. Books. Yeah. I, I again living in a little town, coming from the family I come from. I wasn't able to be a cinemaphile. I wasn't able to be a movie buff. I wasn't, you know, I, I was one of those people that the black bars bothered me whenever they were on because I didn't understand what was going on. But then when I realized, and I'll tell you what, what it was, in Star Wars, when Luke is, after they found R2-D2, and R2, there's several creatures there's several creatures approaching from the east, and Luke's sand people are worse, and it cuts to him up on his belly with the monoculars, and, and he says, well, there are two bandits down there, but I don't see any... Wait, there's sand people, all right. I can see one of them now. I'm like, I don't see any sand person. What you talking about? You know? I'm like, where is that at? And I always wonder, where is that at? My favorite moment of the special edition was watching Star Wars and seeing that sand person come out. I'm like, oh, my God, there it is. All my life I've been wondering. And there he is. That was like the huge moment for me as, you know, as a 20-year-old kid sitting there watching this thing. I'm like, this is beautiful. (laughs) All the changes didn't matter. Nothing mattered. It was like, I get to see the sand first. Because because by that point, I did understand the widescreen aspect. But I couldn't find any Star Wars releases that way, you know. I I thought we were just doomed to the pan and scan model. Yeah. What did seeing them in the theater in the aspect ratio for the first time. What did it mean to you? Well, it meant I lost a date. Um, <laughs> Explain. We, well, Star Wars Special Editions came out in 97. I was in college. It was my sophomore year of college. And uh, second semester of my sophomore year of college. And um, there was this girl who's really cute. And I was kind of digging on her. She was kind of digging on me. And we were hanging out a lot. And... Um, and, and so when Star Wars was coming out that February, I got a big group from our dorm together, got a bunch of people together to go. January. I mean, was it January? It's like January 31st, yeah. So January 31st. I mean, because it was opening day. Yeah. Um, I made sure I got, I found out who all wanted to go. I got their money. I went that afternoon, got tickets for everybody. Um, fortunately, there was no big line in Lynchburg, Virginia at the theater. 
uh, I got tickets for everybody, made sure everyone had a ride to the theater, and I had my little friend with me, and and she's like, well, I've never seen Star Wars. I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's great. If you have any questions just to ask, I'll sit with you. About 45 minutes in, I felt an elbow in my side, and I'm like, what's up? She's like, I asked you a question like 20 minutes ago. (laughs) I was so enthralled. Like, the moment the words a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away came on the screen, I was just enthralled. Everyone was cheering, everyone's, but I was just, you know, I, I... I stopped shy of saying it was a religious experience. I feel like hyperbole doesn't do well that time. But it was it was just shy of that for me. It was just amazing for me to see this thing on the big screen for the first time. And you know, and I know people are like, well it's not really Star Wars, it's a special edition. It was Star Wars. It's ninety eight percent ninety eight plus percent of it is Star it was, Wars. It was Harrison Ford, it was Mark Hamill, it was Carrie Fisher, it was Peter Mayhew, it was R two, it was three PO, it was Vader, it was everything that Star Wars had been. And for me at the time, the changes were exciting. You know, and you know, the only thing that ever bothered me about the special, any of the special editions, oh, you know, I wish they'd have kept the musical numbers in Jedi. The only thing that ever bothered me was the hand and Greedo scene. My thing is, everything else has a justification behind yep. it. Yep. With that, I never understood the justification. It, it's funny to hear friends. I have friends now who, who really dogged the Jabba scene, mm-hmm. and I was thankful for the Jabba scene. Oh, I was I enthralled. As I was watching, I'm like, well, I understand why this got cut out. And I wasn't thinking because they didn't have a Jabba there. I was thinking because it's a lot of the same dialogue that was spoken between Han and Greedo. Yeah. That was, I'm like, makes sense that it was cut out. Glad it's there. Never bothered me that it was there. I was, and as and watching it the first time, I was like, Oh, that's pretty neat. He was stepping up on something to step on Java's tail. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize they digitally cut him out. And, and rather than complain and grumble about it, I'm like, let's just be amazed that they thought of that. Because who else would have thought of that? Yeah. To make him just walk right around behind. Because I wouldn't have, you know. So it was, uh, yeah. The only change I had a problem with was that hand shooting, the hand and Greedo thing. The, the music in, in Jedi is a different animal for me. Because I do love it. I love Lafty Neck, and I love Yub Nub as well so much. Yeah. But I understood the justification for changing those things. Um, it was just the, the Han Chewy thing, or the Han Greedo thing I couldn't get behind. So, But yeah, the, so yeah, so after that screening of Star Wars, we didn't really talk that much after. And I mean, there were <laughs> other factors involved, but I feel like that was kind of the thing that started the downward spiral. Well, and so that, but that was opening night. Now, for the next two months or mm-hmm. so... Star Wars is in the theaters. Yeah, you better believe it was. So and, was I. Well, I was say, where, how often are you at the theater? Um, as often as I could be. We, the theater I was in, in the town I was at in college in Lynchburg. The theater that was showing it in, in, in the you know main release was you know six bucks to go as a poverty stricken college student. You know every dollar equals five, and so I had to really be kind of precious with my money. But but they kept Star Wars in longer, as you mentioned. Yeah. So we were able, me and some friends, we didn't make a big deal out of Empire and stuff. It was just the first one. was the only one we really got made a big deal out of. But we were able to go. We watched Star Wars and Empire back-to-back. And then when Jedi came out, uh, I didn't get to go see it until I was on spring break, and I actually saw it here. Where oh, we're really? In St. Simon's, yeah, over at uh, the... Uh, the Island no, the Island Center. They were there. Yeah, they yeah. were there. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I saw it. And I was kind of in a theater. There weren't many people in there, and it was just... Pretty much just me, and so I just sat there and, and reveled in Jedi on the big screen. 
Um, but I saw all of them two or three times. But what was really cool up at the college was right down from campus, there was a, a movie theater that showed things like in a second run, you second know, the Dollar theater, theater. theater. And they had Dolby Digital Surround. Um, they had uh, DTS Surround. Um, and beautiful screens. And it was a better theater than the first run theater up there. And so... When Star Wars hit that bad boy, oh, you talking about a dollar? You talking about a dollar pop? Yeah, I was there. Yeah. yeah, so I don't, I didn't count how many times, but I saw it plenty. Yeah. Now, th- this is '97 we're talking. About. Yes. Now, Star Wars is gone. It has come back in 1991. <clears throat> Air of the Empire mm-hmm. came out. Yep. As we mentioned, uh, I don't remember if it was before or after, but number one bestseller. Yeah. And the Dark Horse comic started shortly thereafter. Yeah. You were a Star Wars fan who was not in remission. Right. So remission. did you grab any of this stuff when it came out? Yeah. No, wait. Um, what, what Heir to the Empire? Let's talk, because that's really the kickoff of the second wave. Where were you when you first heard about this thing? St. <laughs> Simons Island, Georgia. <laughs> um, that, well, glad to have you, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing, and I didn't say this off air. St. Simons is like second home to me. There are two places in the world where I absolutely feel like home. One is Athens, Georgia. One is St. Simons. We grew up, my grandparents had a house here uh, on the island, and um, and we grew up basically living here all summer long for the longest time. Oh, wow. And so this is, this is, this is second home for me to be over here on the wow. island. And... Um, we were down at the pier, down at the village at the pier. Mm-hmm. You you understand the language I'm yes, using right now. Yes, I do. I don't know if it's still Frederica Station, right next door to it. There was like a little gift shop, book shop kind of thing. Yes. And uh, they just had a spinner rack and well, some hardcover books. And on there, I saw blue cover, gold lettering, Star Wars. Can't miss that logo. I couldn't. And I'm just like, what? And all that is good and holy is this. <laughs> and I've just sat there and stared. Now, again, understand, 91, I'm 14. I don't have my own disposable income. Hardback book, $18. That, that one was 50 $15. Special introductory price. Oh, well, <laughs> I only saw 18 on the cover flap. And I knew, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get 18 bucks for a book today. You must have gotten, it must have been out for a little while then because the, the very first printings were 15 Yeah, well, understand, yeah. if we were down here, it was summer. Yeah, well, it came out so, in May. Just like so, the, uh, well, this would have been this would have been June or July that we were. Yeah, down by here. then they were in multiple printings. Yeah. So yeah, you probably were eighteen so, by then. And um, and so I didn't have you know, my dad gave me guff over a three fifty comic book one time that I really wanted, <laughs> and I'm like, he's tight wide. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way they're going to throw me twenty bucks to get this, and I just like. So I mentioned it to him. I'm like, well, there's this book in there. Well, how much it costs? And I told him, like, no, nope. you know, so, just like I thought. So I just waited and waited, and then paperback hit, yeah. and I devoured it. I mean, I devoured that book and just loved it. I loved everything about it. And you know, there was one of the uh, reviews that were listed on the on the dust cover jacket for the hardback where it said you can hear John Williams music playing while you read this. And I'm like, you can, you really can hear it. And and then right, and so it was just like there's a new world. Then all of a sudden, I'm in the grocery store, and they still had comic books in the grocery store at that time. And I, of course, I was collecting comics at the time too. And and so at the time in Brunswick, you know, I'd go to the Bookmine. That's yes. where I got my comics from. In uh, Waycross, there was a place downtown. An old man uh, sold books and, and comics and stuff. Saw Dark Empire. 
and I picked it up. And that was my first experience with something from Star Wars that I didn't quite like. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was like, what is this? I don't like the art. The covers look great. Yeah. Uh, that first cover, though, Leah's nose looked really big, like someone had punched her and it was swollen. Well, Dorman was doing the covers. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The covers were great. You weren't a Killian Plunkett guy. Though. Well, it was just, it was the colors. I think no, it was, Cam Kennedy did that. Yeah, right? Cam yeah. Kennedy, it yeah. Was, I think it was more the colors and stuff. It was just it's kind really, of watercolored looking. It was. And just, it was weird. It, it just seemed like it was very. Um, I don't know, very very monotone in the colors and that sort of thing. And from kind of chromatic, you know, just yeah. like more in shades of It was a very dull palette. Very, it was, yeah. Um, did, now, did you, did you have a, did you do the Marvel stuff as it came out or? I was a little young for that uh, as far as the, uh, the old school Marvel comics. I, I had a few, but I wasn't like a big collector. And so by the time I was collecting comics, I was like, well, I've got to collect some Star Wars comics. And I couldn't find them. I just couldn't find a lot of Star Wars comics, you know, and it, which was weird to me. And the ones I could find were usually overpriced, yeah. you know, because at that point it was just before the big boom, and you know, and so a lot of these local guys. And of course, I didn't when I first started. I didn't realize there had been Star Wars comics, and then I stumbled across them. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it's it's a weird. My story's kind of weird because of, because really of where I lived. As I got into a lot of collecting stuff, was this little bitty town where there was nothing, yeah. you know, and I'd be lucky to find anything, and so and there's no internet to tell you, hey, this exists, and so it's that weird, fun thing of discovery. But, but, uh, but I, I'm one of these people though who go back and have reread Marvel, the Marvel stuff, and look at them like this is wonderful, you know, this is absolutely wonderful, I'm, and and it's always kind of my my flag in the ground for the people who want to make everything in the EU canon and be like, well, what about the Marvel stuff? Well, that's different. That's different. You know, I'm like, no, you don't get to make that argument then. Bring it. Right. You don't get, you don't get to make that argument. If you can't, if you can't accept the Marvel stuff and make it be canon just because you don't like what was there because you felt then you can't do that with the EU. You got, you have to accept that what's taken away is taken away and what's really put in, in, and so, but I loved it. I, I'm never one of these people like, oh, it was so stupid. There was a green bunny. Yeah, there was a green bunny, and he was cool. You know, there was also that uh, that that weird lady with the with the lightsaber whip and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just like it was it was what you got. You know, you didn't have. You know. That was the EU. That was the EU. That was Splinter books, of the Mind's Eye. The Lando book, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, yeah. Did you, did you, so as a kid, though, you... I was so, unaware. The Solo Trilogy was, was out there. Unaware. You, you knew nothing. Unaware. I was just all about the toys mm-hmm. as a kid, kid. And then as I got older, you know, it was more into non-picture books and stuff, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and again, I'm, I'm trying to... You know, I'm coming from a, a place of... You know, I was an adult when the when the second wave started. So yeah. to me, you just went and you saved some money and you went and bought the book. But you right. didn't have that option. Right, right, right. You were kind of stuck with whatever your parents were willing to buy That's for right. you. So, That's right. So you dabbled in EU as much as you could, but not... Well, but the fortunate thing is, is again, it's right around the time that I'm getting old enough to work and get a job. I'm 14 when Air of the Empire comes out. You know, so, so it's not long after that I'm able to get a job. And then, yeah... I'm taking my disposable income and spending on Star Wars. Um, fortunately, there weren't figures and stuff, but the books for sure. Yeah. You know, even the young adult stuff. You know, the stuff with Jason and Jaina, the Jedi Academy, and all this stuff, and Lobaka, and yep. and all you know, all that cool stuff. And 
And I was a little too old. That was right outside of my warehouse. But I, it was Star Wars, so I was reading it, you know. And, um, I, yeah, I was totally... So, so I was buying everything that came out book-wise. Um, and I did that right up through the end of the New Jedi Order, you know, when it comes to that stuff. And, um, and, and then, like I told you before we started recording, it just got to be a little much. Um, especially with consumable Star Wars on the screen, big screen and small screen. You know, uh, comics got a little overwhelming to me with trying to keep up with everything. Because, again, I was never, never really in a place to be able to go out and get them. And it never dawned on me, well, let's just get a subscription. <laughs> but, you know, and I, yeah. I, look, I'll be the first to tell you, I make stupid decisions in life. <laughs> I do things that don't make sense. I don't think. But um, but it never occurred to me to do that. And and so I just, so there was a lot of the comic stuff that I missed out on. But I would pick up what I could, where I could, when that, you know, when it came down to that. So you're buying the books. You're mm-hmm. buying every book you can. Yeah comics where you can find them. Yeah. Tough because Dark Horse is primarily a, a direct only property. It was property. hard. Yeah, it was hard to find that stuff. Um, but now 1995 comes around. Yeah, it does. The first time you saw a three and three quarter inch Star Wars figure on the racks, on the pegs. And I've been getting you pretty emotional, I've noticed yeah. during this discussion yeah. here. What what was what was going through your mind? Holy crap. I mean, it just, it really all comes back to holy crap. It, it was... I bought them, you know, because they started to they started to trickle out just before I went off to college. So when I say Star Wars went me to college, I I bought I didn't I like I bought what I liked first with. I liked the new Vader. I liked the way he looked. I was struggling with Luke and how he looked. A little buff. Yeah, a little too buff for my taste. But I but I thought Chewie was great. I love the R two and three PO in that line. And so I just started kind of buying one at a time, and I, you know, I was like, "Well, I'll start with a favorite and move from there." And so I go off to college, and on a shelf at college, I've just got—it's the first time I ever displayed Star Wars figures. But I'm 18; I don't give a crap what people think. I'm in college, man. I'm supposed to be free thinking. So I've got Vader there, and R2, and, and 3PO. But then, if you remember, the deluge happens, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you got your your orange cards, your green cards, yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, by '97, you're really underwater. Well, I remember walking into Walmart with some friends of mine from college. We walked down to the toy section, and there were just more and more of those orange cards on on the pegs, you know, with different characters. And it was back; it was getting back to the old way, where it's not just your main dudes. There's there's a couple of the tertiary characters there, and I remember saying it's happening, and I'm a poverty stricken college student, and it's happening again, and I'm not going to be able to jump in on it, and and it, it was kind of a Scarlett O'Hare moment. As God is my witness, I'll never go hungry again. <laughs> I was like, as God is my witness, I will make sure I'm able to collect Star Wars one day. <laughs> And so I missed out on a lot of. It's weird because I did get. I'm, I'm not good with money, but I did get enough from my dad. You know, as far as knowledge about managing money, too. If you don't have it, don't spend it. You know, and and so a lot of those green cards and orange cards went by me, and and I was like, oh, they're getting cooler and cooler and cooler. Well, little did I know that they would become what they were as far as just the look and the fit what Hasbro did with these things was just amazing and so so fortunately by the time they got around to the vintage 
lifestyle collection again when that's what really blew my mind. Oh, yeah. That's when I was just like, I never thought I was looking for that feeling of being a kid again. I never, I really never did until I saw those vintage carded figures. And I'm like, I am looking for that feeling again. <laughs> I have been looking for that for so long. <laughs> now, you find it and uh, Special Edition comes out. Yes. And then prequels in the air and they, the internet is starting to percolate oh yeah now. yeah now there is an internet oh man sitting on dial up for three hours waiting <laughs> on that trailer to download what are you talking about <laughs> the prequels are funny to me because i knew they were coming and everyone talks about that first that first uh teaser for phantom menace being attached to was it meet joe black i think so yeah. um that's not when i saw it i didn't and again it's weird now that I'm a podcaster to think that there was a time where I didn't know how the internet worked. Because um, I really didn't. I didn't know how to dig. I didn't know what the four-stop-net was. I didn't know that these things were coming around that were giving all this information out. I had a friend who loved Jerry Springer. It was, ironically, you know, but still, that was what we did in college. I was around the time of college when you watched Jerry Springer to make fun of all the people on there. Well, Ringmaster comes out, the Jerry Springer movie. He is dead set. He wants to go see Ringmaster. He's like, you going with me, man? I'm like, yeah, I'll go with you. Because I was always up for a good time. And so we go watch Ringmaster. We get about three minutes in, maybe five. And he's like, this is filth. This is trash. I'm not watching this. I'm sorry I drug you. Let's go see Villa. Let's go see something else. So right across the hall is Enemy of the State, starring Will Smith and the great Gene Hackman. And... Um, we sit down to watch it. You know, we got in before the preview started and everything. Previews start up, and, and I'm still calling them previews, you know. The technical name is Trailers. Um, and, uh, but this is, I'm getting in that 99 mindset, you know, the 98 mindset. It's, it's a preview starting up. And there's this preview, and there's this, there's this window that looks like it's looking out like, like the Emperor's window, the Death Star kind of thing. And there's a, a chair face, and it's like, and you hear this weird breathing. It's like, if you see one movie this summer, see Star Wars. If you see two movies this summer, see Austin Powers. And whatever the second one was, The Spy Who Shagged Me. And the doctor was like, you were expecting someone else. I'm like, no, that's funny. They did a Star Wars thing. Wait, see Star Wars this summer. That's right. That's supposed to be coming out this summer. That's cool that they're in on that, you know? Then the very next preview comes up. Here's the Fox thing. And this music starts. I'm like, oh, are they going to fix this out again? I had no idea what was about to happen in my life. <laughs> Every journey has a first step. Every saga has a beginning. I'm like, my Lanta. <laughs> what hath the what hath the movie gods wrought? And, and let's be honest, no matter what anybody thinks about those prequels, and I love them. Yeah, I do too. But they're great trailers. Oh my gosh, some of the best. Yeah. So. Uh, th- if you have a school in trailer making, you need to make sure that you're showing those trailers. Because that was just amazing. There was no original footage from the original trilogy shown. It was just quick cut scenes to everything. And then, boom, it got into the meat of the thing. And I'm like, how do I see this again? How do I see this again and again? Well, 56K dial up. You know. <laughs> and that was the only way. But it was just like, I couldn't get enough of it. Could not get enough of it. And just blown away i was just so excited over the moon so my friends and i of course get together i actually didn't see 
the Phantom Menace on opening night. Really? I was I had I was living in Virginia at the time, but I had come to Georgia for the summer up in Elberton, Georgia, to work uh, at a church for the summer up there, and so I'd already come down because college was out, and so it was time to get started down there. And I'd already come down. I I was staying with a family up in Elberton, and my plan was to. It came out on a Wednesday. My plan was to head back up to Virginia on that Thursday, meet up with my friends, and a bunch of us get together and go on Friday. Well, Wednesday, I was that Wednesday night. I'm like, I gotta go see this movie, and I called a theater. Like, yeah, we're all sold out for all of our shows, and I'm like, well, of course you are. Of course you are. What am I thinking? So I go on up the next day up to Virginia. I get into town. I call my friends. I'm like, hey, I'm in town. He's like, all right, well, let's try to get together for supper later on. I'm like, cool, man. Yeah, let's do that. I hang up the phone. Three minutes later, the phone rings. He's like, hey, you're in town. Why aren't we going to see Star Wars? I'm like, well, because everyone's getting together tomorrow night for it. He's like, yeah, but why aren't we going to see Star Wars? And I'm like, let's go see Star Wars. And so we went the night after opening night. We're in line. You know, we're there. It's still a huge crowd. We came out of that theater. We went to McDonald's where I had worked, and I was seeing some people up there, you know, that I hadn't seen in a couple of days. Because you know how you are when you're young. Everything's a big deal. Hey, I'm back, you know. And um, we grabbed some straws while we're standing there waiting on some food to get ready and just start lightsaber fighting. I mean, it was it, we'd gotten caught up in it, you know. It was amazing. I, it was the only, I love trailers. It was one time in my life where I'm like, stop playing trailers. Get to the movie. It so was it was wonderful. Merchandise wise, did you jump into episode one? You or? know, I was I didn't. It's weird. I didn't. I don't know what I was thinking. I was in such a state of flux and moving around at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say I was living nomadically, but I was kind of a nomad for a couple of years there, just kind of bouncing from place to place until I finally landed somewhere. Um, and so I had a few figures in there, but nothing nothing major. Um, I, I just. I was like, well, I'd rather spend it on watching the movie again. I saw that movie 17 times wow. in the movie theater between its initial release and then when it was re-released in November. So episode two comes around, and by this point, I was settled. By this point in my life, <clears throat> I had, you know, I was in a career kind of situation. So I'm, I'm now not really putting roots down, but I'm, I'm somewhere where I know I'm going to be for a while. It's 2002. It's, uh, I mean, I'd already, you know, we get back to the collecting thing, that Power of the Jedi line. To me, that's when Star Wars figures really, they peaked at that because when the Episode 2 stuff came out, they either tried to have too many playable features, and after that they tried to make everything too poseable. Well, that Power of the Jedi line was something else. It was just, it was spot on. But episode two hits, man, and you won't talk about trailers again. That first trailer, that breathing trailer, mm-hmm. that teaser that was just like every time Vader breathed, there was another image just like, oh, 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 man. I went and saw Spy Games just because they had a whole feature link trailer in front of it. Robert Redford and I think Brad Pitt was in yep, that. Yep. Um, don't remember the movie, but I remember watching the trailer. It was the one that made me feel like I was going to see a soap opera because it focused on the relationship mm-hmm. with Anakin and Padme. But like I said earlier, I think that episode two was structurally the weakest of those movies. Um, I loved it. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. And in the moment, there were two moments in that movie that just completely put me over the moon. Now, by this time, I and I was also more spoiled on episode two than any other Star Wars movie. Now, what do you mean by that? I was, um, well, I, I was, somehow I was getting information 
here and there. Not only oh, was spoilers, I reading spoilers, like spoilers, spoil. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was reading spoilers and stuff. Somehow I got the the soundtrack a week before it was released. But I mean, I printed up my own cover for it and everything. You know, it must it had to be a week or two before it came out. Had a soundtrack listen party with all my buddies and but uh, but the moments there was of course, and it wasn't even the fight. It was Yoda catching lightning that just. I was over the moon about it. I'm like, that is Look so amazing. Face. Yes. But the thing that really sent me and a, a friend of mine that were watching just out of this world, Anakin's going to find his mom. He comes up out of the large homestead. He hugs Padme goodbye. He says, I'll be back soon, whatever he says. And as he turns to stride toward that speeder, his robe billows out behind him. He's got the stride on him. We just grabbed each other. We're like, that's Darth Vader. Oh, my God. He just everything about it looks so perfect. You know, and I'm just like, and my thing is, if I can get one reaction from a Star Wars anything like that, if I'm looking at the toy and I'm blown away with it, if I'm reading a comic and there's just a panel that's just amazing, if I'm reading a book, I mean, a lot of people give uh, Courtship of Princess Leia a hard time, that, that book. I don't particularly remember anything about that novel, other than that's where we first hear Dathomir. Luke sees the thing of Yoda, and Han Solo says, kiss my Wookiee. That's my takeaway, was kiss my Wookiee. But I popped for it. I, I got excited for it. And my thing is, if Star Wars will give me something either funny, amazing, or awesome, just once or twice, then I'm sold, and I'm a sucker for it. I admit it. I'm a sucker. But I love I loved Attack of the Clones, but I just think it was one of the weakest... Of the of the three prequels, steamroll ahead into episode three. You, uh, you mentioned earlier, you said you saw it in every way, every possible. way I could, every way I could. I saw it, and um, and, and uh, there was nothing that could prepare me for everything that I felt watching that movie. I tried to be as unspoiled as possible going into that one because I had overdone it in episode two. I mean, like I knew that movie. I felt like I knew that movie forward and backwards by the time I was watching on the screen. I had the script. Yeah, I know a lot of people did, yeah. Buddy of mine said, here, send this. This can't really be the script. And I watched the movie, and it was the script. I had a friend who had it leaked out, who had some kind of cut of the film had gotten leaked or something. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was Lucasfilm intentionally doing some stuff to try to do damage control from... That weird Because the episode episode one, yeah, there'd already been that fallout. Or what? But it seemed like there was so much more accessible to episode two. Episode three, George was just like, "Oh, we're telling everything. They know what's going to happen." And so, and so, um, so I tried to stay as unspoiled as possible for that, but it was almost impossible. Um, and when it, everything was so great about that. And the moment when when Obi Wan does the and everyone and this is so common, but Obi Wan's you know you were supposed to destroy the Sith, not John. You were the chosen one. If that moment as a Star Wars fan doesn't at least twist on your heart a little bit, something's wrong with you. But even more than that, when the Jedi are being killed, and these are people at this point we've not spent any time with other than watching them sit around a room, it hurt. You know, it hurt to watch that and see Yoda grip his chest and drop the cane. It hurt to know that this was, you know, it's falling apart. Because there is, even though you know where it's headed, there's that one little part of you that's like, well, maybe it won't. Maybe they'll turn everything on its head. Maybe Vader, maybe Vader isn't in it. Maybe, you know. And But he is. And, and everything falls apart. And, that, and here's the thing, you know, you get back to some of the backlash that we were talking about. 
I was like, no one can complain about this. There's nothing anyone can say to gripe about this. I was wrong. <laughs> because suddenly I see on the internet, this is what they're nitpicking with. No one would ever fight a real lightsaber battle that way. The way they're swinging it around. It's a more real, like a, a real lightsaber battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though. It's like, what are you talking about? And they're talking about like some of the flourishing moves the two would do. And that's like, have you never watched a sword fighting movie? Have you never watched a swashbuckling movie? Have you never? I loved it because they did everything that you know Lucas ever wanted to see these Jedi do. They were fighting. They were jumping. They were kicking. They were punching. They were swinging on ropes at one point for crying out loud, <laughs> slashing each other. Yep. That's every, you, and, and that's everything we ever wanted to see him do. What more can you ask for? You know. And then, oh, he just got one chop. That's what killed him was one chop. Yeah. Because Obi-Wan pleaded with him, I have the high ground, don't do it. And someone then pointed out to me, like, Obi-Wan knew what to do in that moment because that's kind of the move he used against Darth Maul. Going up over his head and coming around from the back. And I'm like, you just blew my mind. (laughs) It's one of those, you just blew my mind moments. And so, yeah, that's why Obi-Wan knew what he needed to do in that moment. What, what is your feeling now? You've seen episode three, and you know it's over. Yeah. There are no more Star Wars films. Melancholy. What you talking about? <laughs> Did it you was, give a lot of thought to that? Though? Yeah, it was... Well, like I say, it's why I wanted to see it as in every way possible, as much as possible, before it left theaters. Because, you know, for the second time in my life, it was the final Star Wars movie. You know, and I wanted to make sure I did it right. I had the means. I was an adult, you know, or kind of... I was of age, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I had the means to be able to see it that way. I'd gone to Celebration Three up in Indianapolis. You know, I did. I wanted to do the Episode Three experience perfectly, and I really feel like I did. So when it was all said and done, I was just able to kind of breathe and be like, "I done good," you know. And I felt like George Lucas had done good, and I'm like, and at this point, we'd heard about the animated series coming and everything, so. It was like, well, there'll be more Star Wars, but for the movie standpoint, this is a good way to ride off in the sunset. And, you know, it's one of those things. I, I've, I've never been someone who can't let things go. And let's be honest, if you're Star Wars fans, we let it go before. You know, and so it's like, okay, it's time to move on. And, and I know how to... It's almost like the Jedi between three and four. It's almost like a one. You know how to go back into hiding and just wait again. And that's kind of what I was expecting to have to do. Fortunately, because of podcasting and the internet and everything, you're just able to let it fly. You know, you're just able to let the banner fly. And you find, and you find more people who are of a like mind, of a similar ilk, you know, and who just, who love what you love, who are passionate about what you're passionate about, who want you to come sit down at Loco's Deli and, <laughs> and tell your Star Wars story, you know. And and that's, that's what now Star Wars fam at that point was like, well, this is what it'll be now. We're just going to reminisce. We're going to have a good time. We're going to look, you know, I'm going to be this prequel defender guy, and I'm going to do, you know, God knows I didn't know Kyle Newman was going to come along and do a million times a better job than I do. But, but you know, I, I knew I'm, I'm going to have my voice heard because it's the one thing I can do. And it's, you know, it's what I it's what I enjoy doing. And Star Wars is something I'm passionate about. So it's going to, there's, in Geek Out Loud, you know, there's always that backdrop of Star Wars. In every project I've ever done, it's all, Star Wars has always gotten mentioned somewhere somehow because it's just there. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, and for me, that's more my Star Wars story than anything else is it's always been there. You know, and I don't expect it to really go away ever. What What has it brought to your life that you never expected it to bring you? Oh, man. Um, 
friends. You know, I mean, it's, as hokey as that sounds, you know, it's 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 friendships. It's it's this growing up in church like I did. You know, you could go to other churches and stuff, and there was always a bond, especially as a pastor's kid. You know, you shared a bond with other preachers' kids, um, and especially when you got together with other preachers' kids from other churches. You know, the thing was, you started showing each other all the secret spots in the churches. You know, you started kind of, you got indoors that no one else got in. Because you grew up there, you know. It's lost its mysticism. It's lost its, you know, its sacredness. It's just another building, you know, that you go to all the time. With Star Wars, it's kind of the same way. There's a bond. There's not really a secret handshake, but there almost is. You know, where, where if you get it slipped in on someone, you can either spend hours talking about it or days. And and it, but there's no just quick yeah I like Star Wars too you know it's it's, it's never just that yeah. it's you're gonna get into stuff and the friends I've made you know from from uh, well my brother who had gotten married was moving uh, he was living in the town we were all in at the time but he was getting ready to move and take a job down in Jacksonville Florida uh, this is way back in 2001 this is waiting for episode two to come out. Um, his his employer, his boss. He was he. My brother was going to work at a church. We're big church family. Um, he was going to work at a church. The guy who was the pastor of the church had come up, and my brother told him, and he told me, you know, separately. Well, he's a Star Wars fan, Steve, and he told his friend Mark. He told his pastor Marcus, Steve's a Star Wars fan. You guys should get along. Well, that never works. You never tell anyone, well, they're Star Wars fans. You let them find that out naturally because otherwise you're going to have a geek fight on your hand. Yeah. You know, there's going to be that big geek fan contest. Yeah. Well, what do you know? What do you know? And so we did that. We did that feeling out process of, all right, how nerdy is this person? How geeky is this person? How, what is, where are they sitting? By the end of that night, we were thick as thieves. We went to Star Wars Celebration 3 together. We did, you know, we're, we were going on toy hunts together. Midnight Madness for the Episode 2 toys. He called me up from Jacksonville. He's like, you've got to come down. I'm in line at Walmart. And this is like 8 o'clock. I'm like, I can't. I've got this thing at church. Well, this is actually 7 o'clock. I'm like, I can't. I've got this thing at church. He's like, when is it over? I said, it's going to be like 9, 9.30. He's like, you got plenty of time to get down here before midnight. I'll save you a spot. <laughs> On a spur-of-the-moment whim, I just go down to Wal- the Walmart. He's at at midnight to be in Jacksonville with him. We got all this stuff, took it home to his wife, bless your heart, and uh, and like she sat there so patiently as we just pulled stuff out, like oh, and we got this, and we got this. <laughs> but, but that's the that's really what you know. And then down to other podcasters, you know, it's like why would I have come to Brunswick today? You know, yeah. why you know, why why would I have sat here for two hours a day? And you know, I would I would have been at home doing something else. And I'm not complaining that I'm here. I'm saying, Thank you. you know, it's, well, it's one of those things. It, here's the thing. It's one of those things that's great because throughout the conversation, we've mentioned this area several times. And it's something I realized as I was driving in today is like, this is one of like two places in the world I feel at home. Thank God Star Wars brought me over today, you know, to have a good day, to enjoy the day, to meet new friends, to have that. James Arnold Taylor is a friend, you know. He's someone I consider a friend. I don't mean to name drop. It's just it's just one of those things that, had it not been for Star Wars, I wouldn't have known who James Arnold Taylor is. Yeah, true. And I and I really love the guy. He's a great guy. You know, I like him for more than being Obi Wan. I like him for being James Arnold Taylor. 
not to plug other podcasts on the on the thing. No, Rebel Force do. Radio, Jason Swank and Jenny sure. Mack. You know, two great guys who have established themselves in Star Wars fan community. And they they not only do a great podcast, by the way, but Star Wars Oxygen is one of the best things ever. Oh my ever. gosh. So, but they're just, great friends. You know, they've become great friends. Um, so many people, though, not, that aren't even podcasters or celebrities. You know, I'm saying like my friend Marcus and other people just become friends because well we like Star Wars and that's where it starts and then you and then you go from there and so so to answer the original question that's what Star Wars has brought to me that surprised me you know I expected to spend money on toys you know and movie tickets and comics and everything else never expected to have real true lasting friendships because oh we like lightsaber fights and spaceships <laughs> now you've been buying Star Wars stuff pretty much your entire life yeah 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 so you have a healthy Star Wars collection. Yeah, yeah. What is your favorite thing? Oh, raindrops on roses, whiskers <laughs> on kittens. Uh, Not a few. What? <laughs> um, vintage Adat. I I wanted that bad boy growing up so bad. Every Christmas I'd ask for it. Every Christmas and never got it. Not complaining about my childhood. I had a wonderful childhood. I had, as I told you, amongst my circle of friends, coolest Star Wars collection out there. Didn't have an ad at. Um, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida at Pecan Park. Pecan um, Park. Flea Market. I used to go there frequently, yes. <laughs> There's a dude there. He's got a shop. He's got all kinds of Star Wars collectibles there. And uh, he apparently he was a new owner. Like he had, he had bought it from the guy who originally you know had it and he and he's of course he you know how flea market people are not casting any aspersions on flea market people <laughs> but you know he's very much trying to sell not just merchandise to us but himself in the yes, shop yes and he's explained to us well the last guy he wouldn't come down on prices because you know he was more into the collecting than than the selling and that sort of thing but he had a vintage ad at there and and uh, and at this point I'm 25 26 years old. Selling it for I think forty bucks. It was in pretty good shape. It was missing the chin guns, as all vintage adats are. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to bite the bullet because I've always wanted one. And um, and he's got well, I got a chin gun for. Him. I'm like, well, throw that into the mix. He's like, well, someone might want to come buy the chin gun. I'm like, who's going to come to this store <laughs> in this flea market? And be like, hey, you got an adat chin gun? I'm like, do you want to go through the problem of I like I, suddenly I go into salesman mode, but I'm wanting to buy something. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and I never do this. I never haggle. But I was just like, I can go on eBay and do this. I can get a chin gun and have the thing. And uh, he's like, all right, I'll throw it. And I said, you just got through saying that the dude before you wouldn't come off of stuff. You know, I'm like, come off it. Be change the way you go. Now understand, this guy also talked about how he was supposed to be Steve Sansweet. <laughs> how that Steve Sansweet had beat him to the punch on writing the first book about collecting and all this stuff. And you, by the way, are Captain Kirk in Star Trek Four at this point. It's better for you. It's better for me. It's better for them. It's better for the whales. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the chin gun. I'm like, what does God need with a chin gun? Um, <laughs> it was here. Um, but that's Picard. Never mind. Um, but I'm... Um, so he, he comes off the chin gun, right? He gives it to me. I might have paid him an extra five bucks or whatever. And he and now the dude gives me some great vintage toy collecting tips. How to get the electronics working again. You know, best ways to clean these things and that sort of thing. So um, so I get in there. I get I get I get the ad at home. 
I'm clean. I've got a little toothbrush. You know, I'm cleaning the dust off. I've blown the and now I'm cleaning the little nooks and crannies. And and as I turn him up, I hear something rattle. And I'm like, well, what is ra- what is broken in this thing? Oh my God, it's broken. He sold me a broken toy. I thought I would won, but he won. Curse you. Well, on, in the old Vintage Adapt, the battery cover for the electronics is in the in the floor of the, I guess for lack of a better word, turtle shell, yeah. you know, where you put the troops. So it's in there. I'm like, what's in there? And I pop it open. The other chin gun sitting in the battery thing. Oh, my. Yeah. And so now I've got this complete, pretty much, Vintage Adapt, with the exception of the little tow cable thing that you could run Luke up and down on. And it... And I got the electronics working on it again as per the man's instructions. And I'm like, it's everything I ever wanted as a kid. And it is, it you know, for other than the Imperial Shuttle that I bought with my own money as a child, it's my favorite, favorite thing I have in my collection, I think. Ask Today, me tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, ask me tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Where is your Star Wars story right now? Where are you in your oh, Star Wars story? Man. I have no idea. It's, it's so strange because... You know, it's going through all of this, pick and save in Waycross, you know, coming here and seeing Heir to the Empire on that bookshelf, you know, that store down down near the pier. All this stuff, it's like now I'm in a place where I'm, I know Obi-Wan Kenobi, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm in a place where there are people this is going to sound arrogant, and I don't mean to. I, I'm just—I mean, this is this is real life. There are people who email me and say, "What do you think about this? I like your views on Star Wars. I appreciate your views on Star Wars. What do you think about this? Tell me what you—you know." Um, I live—I live in a world where, where the other day I get a text, and it's someone sending me art from Episode Seven. That has not been put out there. Oh wow! My Star Wars story is in a place where I would have never thought it'd be, because though I'm still an observer, I'm not as outside as I used to be. You know, I'm not, and, and it's, and I don't know that I want to get any more inside. You know, I don't want to take the magic away that much, but I'm just close enough that it's like, you know, we're used to sitting in the back. You know, way outside, you got to see the magic and, and kind of... Now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm feeling the magic. Yeah. You know, where it's not so far-fetched. You know, that that I'm doing a Star Wars podcast about this new show, Rebels, and that we're talking about having the voice of Hera on because she listens to our Disney show. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like... My Star Wars story is really messed up right now because I've stepped into a different realm of fandom that I never thought I'd be in. And I'm in a realm where it's like if there are if there are generals and admirals up here in the in the fandom realm, you know, I'm at least a a, a staff sergeant somewhere back here, you know. And yeah. it, it's and it's and it's really cool. It's really neat and and it's so much fun. And you know, and 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 I think the coolest thing about where I'm at is I've not lost the wonder. You know, it still excites me, and it still gets me pumped up. You know, and 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 anytime someone starts talking Star Wars, and I sit for two and a half hours, I'm like, okay, let's talk Star Wars, but it's more me talking Star Wars. <laughs> so, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the future of the franchise. I'm looking forward to what Abrams does. I'm looking forward to more and more of this Rebel show. You know, and I'm just looking forward to 
to walking into a store and actually seeing figures that aren't five years old on a peg somewhere, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at now, I think. Steve Blossom is the host of the family of Geek Out Loud podcasts, distributed by Shot Glass Digital and available in the iTunes store or at shotglassdigital.com. Our discussion with Steve was recorded live at Loco's Deli and Pub on St. Simons Island, Georgia. Several segments from our conversation were cut because they strayed from Steve's Star Wars story. However, they were an interesting and robust Star Wars discussion, and some of those moments are included as bonus material at the end of this episode. To tell your Star Wars story, email your contact information to story at mystarwarsstory.com. Like My Star Wars Story on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you liked My Star Wars Story, please be sure to leave a review in the iTunes store. It will help more people find the podcast. Please join us next month when Matt Hunsworth of Star Wars in Character shares his Star Wars story. In December, former Marvel Comics Star Wars writer David Michelinie will share his Star Wars story. Thank you for listening to My Star Wars Story, and thank you for being a part of Generation Star Wars.
there's there's a phenomenon that gets to me, and this is, I, we usually don't get. I usually don't get this philosophical on this thing. I usually just let sit back and let you well, tell your story. Well, let's do but, it, man. But I'm, I've been interested in some of the things you've had to say. There's a phenomenon that, that it bothers me. Yeah. That somebody went and saw episode one and walked out of the theater and loved it and raved about it and screamed about it. Yeah. And three years later are walking around telling everybody how it sucked yeah. and how they were wrong the first time. Mm-hmm. How, how, did that, how did their experience change? I think it's a thing where you start listening to people who want to be the smartest person in the room. You know, I remember when I saw The Dark Knight for the first time, um, and everyone loved The Dark Knight. Uh, You couldn't find anything bad said about The Dark Knight. And then I heard one guy, either on a radio show, it wasn't a podcast, I think it was a radio show I heard him talking on, and he was just kind of trashing the movie. And everything he was trashing, it was like, well, that's stupid that you're trashing that. You're just nitpicking now. You're just trying to find things. And it dawned on me, this guy's just want to be the smartest person in the room. I call that picking the fridge, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what he was doing. Yeah. And, and I said, you're just trying to be the smartest guy in the room. And I realized, I'm like, you know what? These people sat and heard one or two things said, and everything that had connected with them, suddenly I think they were just like, no, I don't like that at all. And they just decided, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to get on the smart side of that, where they consider to be the smart side of things. I've, I've said constantly, I, I do think there's some legitimate, well, not legitimate, but I do think there are people who saw it, walked out, and were disappointed. Yeah. I really do know those people existed. Yeah. But those people also are the people who expected Star Wars to grow up with. You know, I've said many times on my podcast, I grew up with Star Wars, but Star Wars didn't grow up with me. Star Wars was always for kids. Star Wars was always that place. And, yeah, it had some adult themes and stuff in it. But I also know that that in, when I was because go back to what I was saying earlier, as a kid, I was I had trading cards that I could not read. All I could do was look at the pictures. You know, I had parents who were who were ignoring the appropriate for ages four and up, so that I would have the Star Wars figure, not still my brothers. You know, I watched Transformers the movie, and Optimus Prime died, and Spike cussed. You know. But it was still for kids. We have, and this is me talking as a single guy with no kids, but I do feel like we've we've come to a point where we, we're kind of dumbing things down for kids these days. And 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 we expect more. I don't know. It's weird. It's 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 kind because of, you do get philosophical with it. Yeah. But I think a lot of people have read a lot of the EU. They've read a lot of. And they just expected Star Wars to be what they'd come become accustomed to with those books. Yeah. And when it wasn't. And, I, and I've said this for years, too. I think people are off-put with Anakin being a little kid with a good heart. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. I don't think anyone wants to think that evil gets started. No one wants to think about what Jeffrey Dahmer was like as a little boy. You know? Although there's a good graphic novel about yeah. that. If you've read that, it's really good. <laughs> no one wants to think about, you know, the fact that, yeah. that Hitler's little boy didn't say, I want to grow up and be, you know, a mass murderer, a genocidal maniac. Yeah. Take your most basic criminal. No one ever says... No one ever wants to look at yeah. the kid who didn't say, I want to grow up and be a drug dealer. Well, yeah, and you know what's funny is, I guess it, initially they shot a film with uh, with uh, uh, him and, I guess, Anakin and Wald or somebody, you know, the little Rodian yeah. getting into a fist fight, and there was kind of a flare there, and they cut it. I thought it was brave of George Lucas to cut any signal, you know, any any possibility that he could have a dark side to Yeah, him. yeah. I mean, he really, because... There's a moment when Anakin is in the Jedi Council chamber in Episode One, 
and they tell him no, he will not be trained. And Anakin is staring daggers at Mace Windu, mm-hmm. and that is the one time you really get the idea this kid, there's something going on mm-hmm. underneath the surface, you know. That this, yeah. you know, and and but you never, you know. And George Lucas even said, I think people want to see him pulling lizards' arms off and that sort of thing. But that's not where evil gets started. Yeah. You know, that's not how evil begins. That's not how selfishness comes about. Well, and I will tell you again as a guy, and I have a, a, a seven-year-older perspective, I was an adult before I found out The Empire Strikes Back was dark. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was It you, was the funniest of all of them to me. I don't think it's dark you know? to this day. Yeah. It's got... It's, it's got a dark kind of ending. Luke gets his hand cut off. The, the good guys don't necessarily win. But I'm sorry. But you believe they will. Let's. I'm sorry. Watch that scene on Dagobah when Luke first meets Yoda, and tell me that's not hilarious as I'll get yeah. out when he's beating R2 with that cane. Yeah. Mine, mine. You. That's hilarious. By the way, also that scene is a good manifestation of a thing I like to call uh, uh, Muppet blindness. Yes. Yes. Muppets can stare at an object and still cannot grab it. They That's have right. a spatial problem with That's it. They can... <laughs> and he's looking right at the yeah, thing and he yeah. can't grab it. For well, some what's reason. good is it kind of rolled away from him yeah. as he grabbed at it, but it's, oh yeah, that's true. It's, he's it's, staring right at yeah, it though. If it yeah, rolls away, he should be able to track it. Don't ruin that moment for me. <laughs> it's all about, I've watched Ernie do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I love the Muppets so, by oh, the yeah. way. So anyhow, but um, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do think, I think it came down to a lot of what a lot of people think. Because, you know, I go back, a lot of people want to criticize the story. I was talking to someone who's not a big Star Wars fan the other day, and he was asking me what I thought about the new movies coming out. And we were talking a little bit. He's like, yeah, he said, you know, that episode, he said, he said, especially Phantom Menace. He's like, it just, the story was so weak. And I just looked at him, I said, and I wasn't going to get into it, you know. I, I kept the lid on as much as I could. I, and I said, well, I said, honestly, of the three prequel movies, I feel like Attack of the Clones was the weakest as far as the story goes. I said, because when you get into The Phantom Menace, I said, you've got all this political intrigue going on that just spirals into those other movies. I said, yes. I said, and what's funny is I've heard two different criticisms. One is the story's too complex, and the other story's not complex enough. I'm like, what it comes down to, I think, is people just want something to complain about. Well, it's... With, with episode one, what, what strikes me as absolutely brilliant that so many people seem to miss is there's not a thing on either side of this movie that happens in this film. Everything happens because Palpatine wants it to happen. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. The good guys, yeah. the bad guys, everything that happens is because Palpatine wants it to happen. Well, and that's the, the thing is, it's like, so who is the Phantom Menace? I mean, you start asking people yeah. that question, it's like, oh, well, it's Maul. Is it? No. You know, well, it's it's... It's Sidious, right. It's, it's the guy who makes everything it's in the that guy movie who's happen. All those strings, and he's pulling it for the purpose of getting that chancellor position. And yep. that's amazing. Yep. That is yep. amazing. And it's, and it's never in your face. Nope. It's never, you know, but when it happens, it's like, oh, so he's now the supreme chancellor. Yeah. It's funny. And, you ask, I ask people, what is the story of that film? Yeah. The story of film is not this little boy. The story is how he became chancellor. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. And it's subtle, it's told very subtly. You know, and then people complain, oh, well, there's no main character. Yeah, there is. There is a main character. The main character throughout those prequels is Anakin. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the same way we're not introduced to Luke Skywalker until about 20 minutes into the film, we're not introduced to Anakin for a little bit, and that's okay. Because we're setting up a world. You're setting up a universe. You're setting up the rules that, that now exist in the Star Wars universe, and that is these Jedi Knights do this thing, and they've got to get, you know, there's, there's all these political machinations going on. So, of course... 
you know, you've got it. You can't just open up on Anakin on Tatooine. So it's my other favorite uh, episode one criticism is no Darth Maul, not enough Darth Maul backstory. Like Odd Job had a backstory, right? You know, right. <laughs> like they told, like they told <laughs> yeah. about Jaws's childhood. That's right. That's right. When they when he got his metal teeth. Mm-hmm. What I love is is the started fact, with braces, but well, it's that's the thing is, is is so many of the people who criticize episode one have some amazing Darth Maul collectibles in there, <laughs> you know. Like, oh, I love Darth Maul, you know. And those same people, are like, I can't believe they brought Darth. The people that wanted more, I'm like, why they bring him back for the Clone Wars? That's stupid. I'm like, how is that stupid? It was amazing, you know. And it's just, I think what it comes down to is there's a culture, and I think it's a minority, and I think it's a vocal minority that has been heard so much that it's become almost a, a, a side joke for anything to do. I was thinking about this this morning because I'm like, oh, i got to talk Star Wars. Let me get the Star Wars mindset. There's this vocal minority that has somehow taken over the way that even the media covers things. you know. And when they mention George Lucas, when they mention Star Wars, the prequels are mentioned almost the same way that a red-headed, unwanted stepchild is. Mm-hmm. You know, It's like, well, they made those other three. You know, might have slipped a little bit in those. Did he? Did he really slip in making those? No. Because you know what? You're talking about them. You know what? They made money. And, 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 you, and more than that, they moved the medium forward. In a huge way. I remember when he said, I'm shooting episode two all digitally, and my preference is that you show it digitally. Yes. I'll make it available on celluloid for yeah. now, but I'm telling you, you're going to have to start going digital. And I remember everybody laughing at him saying, we will never go all digital mm-hmm. in the film industry. We will never get yeah. rid of celluloid. And now, 12 years later... You can't find celluloid. And let me tell you something. One of the greatest experiences I had watching Revenge of the Sith was with my friend Marcus in South Carolina. Because when Revenge of the Sith came out, because it was going to be the last Star Wars movie ever, you know? Of course. Um, of course. I was, I was there. I was going to see it every way possible. I saw it on opening night, you know, midnight show, and next day open day with friends. I saw it um, in a crappy little theater just to get the crappy little theater experience. I went and saw it for the first time ever seeing a movie on a digital screen on a digital screen up in South Carolina it was glorious it was like by that point I'd seen it five or six times and for the first time I'd noticed ashes falling on Mustafar that kind of stuff and I'm just like this is amazing this is this is magnificent and so it bothers me a little bit when J.J. Abrams is like yeah we're shooting everything on film I'm like why that wasn't why? Because he wants mat boxes around the ships, and uh, yeah, I'm like, is that what you really want to go for? Is that yeah. to, you know? I'm like, it's not a crime that George Lucas shot these things digitally. It's what George Lucas always did. He pushed the you said it best. He pushed the medium forward in a million different ways. You okay? Go to the bathroom. Okay. Uh, pause for yeah. a bathroom okay. break. No, okay. you're fine. Am I talking too much? I fixed that movie. I can fix it. Oh, how so? Um, someone is trying to kill Senator Amidala. Correct? Right. We know this from the very beginning of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So their solution is to have Anakin go hide off with her at the family resort. Right, right. Where no one will look for her. Why not have them on their way to the resort being chased by more of these assassins? Yeah. In a high-stress situation. Sl- yeah, it slowed down. You lose some of that stressfulness. Well, and it also makes makes their coming together a little more... People accept it more than they're mm-hmm. just lying around falling in love. Right. Rolling it, in the grass. Yes, yeah, the Empire Strikes Back is yeah. what it is. Right. Yes. Yeah, it would have been... And they are yeah. on the Falcon, and they're yeah. being chased, and it's drawing them together. Right. And 
they're having a they're moment. They're getting to have the banter yeah. that doesn't seem so forced in, yep. in middle school, if you will. That's the, that's the, and, and I'm not somebody who likes to go rewrite and sure, recut and all sure. that other stuff for these films. That would have made it work a lot better. One I think. thing You're I right. would do for episode two is that. You're right. I think it would have made it a lot better. But I also think, you know, Star Wars does is, is at its best when it, when it causes you to ask questions. And... Uh, Just wanted to fit in. Thanks. So, 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 you were missing some sound equipment. Yeah, I want to make sound. I want, Thanks, to, do, I want to do some foley work too. Yeah. Star Wars. It's all live. <laughs> no post here. This is professional. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm Steve Blossom. This is my Star Wars story. <laughs> There's one for your outtake reel. Thanks. Um, uh, no, I, uh, the thing is, it's always best, Star Wars always best when it asks questions and when it gives answers that only give you more questions. With Attack of the Clones, there were some major points that never got answered until yeah. like late in the Clone Wars uh, series I'm talking about. And I feel like they left those things too unsettled in, in the movie realm. Um, that's fair, and 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 that's why I say it's one of the weakest because like the whole Sifo-Dyas thing, the whole unless you're really paying attention and and as just a fan, able to fill in those gaps, you know, the casual viewer is going to come away saying, I'm really confused yeah. as to how this went down. Well, they kind of dug their own hole for that, wasn't wasn't the original name Sifo-Dyas, which I would have thought would have been Sidious. Sidious. I don't know if there was an original thing or not. I, yeah. I don't I don't know, but it was. Um, I, I like the fact that. You know, there is this mystery about what was this Jedi doing on Camino ordering these things. I do like that idea. I like the concept that something's weird here. So did Dooku use his name? Is this what you know? And that's and that's the thing that I don't feel like ever really got answered um, well enough. Even in the even once the Clone Wars hit, I don't know that it ever got. Other than I guess they were saying like Psycho Diaz had some kind of vision of this was happening, so he took it on himself. But um, but again, what you see is Palpatine pulling all these strings, you know. Um, Ian McDermott, bless his heart, he gives one of the most unconvincing performances back in episode one where he's like, no, your majesty, stay here where it's safe. (laughs) And then in episode two, in episode two, you know, he's like, perhaps an old friend. Master Kenobi is back. You're like... You're showing your hand. You're showing your hand. Calm down, Palpatine. If you want to win this thing, your overconfidence is your weakness. Luke is at it best. He has no faith in his friends, obviously. That's right. So we.